You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 254. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in. One of my favorite guys to have on this podcast, Stephen Fishback from Survivor Token Teens and Survivor, what was it, Second Chance? I already forgot. You know I record this open long after I usually record the interview. And the interview has it right, but now I forgot because I re- we recorded this interview last Friday. So, yeah. Keep that in mind. Um, but Stephen, you, those of you who have heard him in the past on this podcast know how great he is uh, talking about Survivor. So much good insight. So much great memory retention from this show that helps forms the opinions that he does have. Uh, he's great, and you'll love him again uh, on this podcast, which we'll get to momentarily. Briefly, want to talk about a couple things. If you've read my tweets this week, you're probably like, Steve, would you get it right? God damn it. (laughs) I know. It was just, it was crazy. For the longest time, I was told Clayton season starts filming on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, by the way, mini spoilers here, not major. You know that Clayton's The Bachelor and you know it's starting filming. So that's really all I'm going to cover. But for for a while, for about a month, or at least a few weeks, I was told it was going to start this Tuesday. And then... That turned into, I found out on Monday that it was possibly starting Monday night, and then I corrected that to be, no, it's starting on Tuesday night, and that was the around uh, 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Tuesday is when the announcement came out that Jesse Palmer was going to be the host of The Bachelor, and I looked at the email that I got about filming starting that night, the way I read it. Seeing that Jesse was announced that day, it kind of was like, okay, season is starting tonight. And I kind of jumped the gun on that. Bottom line is, I was wrong. The season started taping last night. Limo entrances, limo arrivals, whatever you want to call them, were last night at the mansion. So we're going to get, you know, the per usual three to four episodes in L.A., even though one of them is only takes one night to film, and that's last night. So that's the first episode is already in the can. Move-in day is today. And then dates will start tomorrow. I tweeted out one of the dates is going to be a group date where a casting announcement went out. They're looking for 9 to 12-year-old kids to attend a birthday party, quote-unquote, at the mansion and stuff like that. You can look on my Twitter. Uh, That's where it is. So that will be a group date to start the season with a bunch of kids that are going to be a part of it. So sorry about that, that I was off by a day and I kept getting the day wrong. So, but yeah, we're underway in uh, Clayton's season. We we know all the women. You know the story of uh, Sally. And she is not on the show. <sighs> Hearing so many rumblings regarding this, and I just don't know what to make of it yet. So let me dig a little bit more. She's, de- she's definitely, uh, she's not on the show. She was sent home. But the reasoning and all this stuff going on behind the scenes, I'll try and get to the bottom of it. But. Um, a little small note about, uh, 
last night's or Tuesday night's Bachelor in Paradise episode, because it was three hours, I wasn't really, you know, I was watching it, but I was also on my phone a lot, taking less notes. It's just three hours is too much of that show. So I kind of wasn't listening, but I kind of was, you know, I'm sure a lot of you watch the show this way. I don't think you're intently zoned in for three hours uh, on this silly show. But again, and, and this, this happened, I think, um, God, I can't remember when it was, when it came out. Oh, it was during Claire's season. Remember, remember during Claire's season, I can't remember what episode it was, but where she mentioned something along the lines of she'd never been to prom before or never got asked to a dance or something along those lines. And then somebody from her past, you know, went to one of the Instagram accounts and said, yes, she has. Here she is in a dress. She went with my friend or brother or something like that. And then Claire had to re she didn't retract. She said, um, you got it all wrong. That wasn't a prom. I didn't even go. It was, it was something along those lines where Claire had to call that person out for calling her out for seemingly lying, which she didn't. And then that woman totally retracted her story and Claire ended up being right. Look, it, this isn't a big deal. But I missed it last night or Tuesday night. Apparently, Abigail said the same thing that she's never been. Um, what was it? What was the thing that was sent to me? She's never been to prom. Uh, oh, she never went to prom. And then she said she was never asked. I guess she said that if if she didn't say that, then this the rest of the story is a moot point. But. If she did say that, uh, yesterday I got sent pictures of Abigail at prom in high school. So, look, it's not a big thing. Abigail's not the worst person in the world to do this. I'm just curious as to why you would say something like that. Like, are you just trying to garner sympathy or what? And look, the pictures that I have of her at prom, maybe she's going off on a technicality here. Maybe that was a formal and, like, she can still technically stand behind the fact that, well, I was never invited. I said I was never invited to prom. That was a winter formal or a Sadie Hawkins dance or whatever. Maybe there's a technicality there. All I know is there's a clear picture that I have of her at a very formal dance. It's a group picture. She's in it. She's in a formal slash prom dress, and she's got a date behind her. And um, you know, it's not to shame Abigail or anything like that. It's just somebody brought that to my attention that, hey, she said it on the show last night that she didn't. Here's proof that she did. But again, it could be a technicality. It could be semantics here that we're talking about. My, my whole point being, like, I don't care if she did or not, if she was never asked. But again, if if you say on the show that you're you were never asked, it, it, it's just clear to me you're trying to portray something. You're trying to get it out there, like, hey, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, I wasn't popular boys didn't like me. Um, I, I didn't feel included in high school, which clearly that happens to a lot of people in high school. I get it. But if there's photo evidence out there that you did, I don't see the, why would you lie about something kind of insignificant? You know, it just didn't make, I, it, who cares if you, if you didn't get asked to prom it, but you actually went like, why would you say something about that? Again, Abigail's not a horrible person because she said that. It's just I just kind of chuckle at it. And when I got sent the pictures, I'm like, oh, apparently I wasn't paying enough attention last night because I didn't even know she said this. So and again, if she never said that on the show last night, 
then that story is a moot point. But um, I guess she did. And I, I have pictures of her in a, in a group photo at a uh, seemingly a prom sort of formal where she's there with a date. So anyway, just thought I'd pass that along. No hate to Abigail. I just, you know, I, I just question what's the point on something so small like that when you had to have known pictures were taken <laughs> of you in a dress with your date at a seemingly formal slash prom type of dance. And again, it could be, hey, we went as a group and I was never asked on that date. I don't know. So it just it just seems like such a a silly thing to not be open about. But again, maybe she's just going off semantics. Anyway, let's get started. I'm really loving Survivor already. It's I, I've seen uh, episode two just aired last night. Loved it. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the additions that they're, they've made to this season. We do talk about the whole come on in guys from the first episode. Steven's got some thoughts on it. I've got some thoughts on it. There's a lot that Survivor has added to their show now that pretty much for the most part I really like. And we're going to talk about all of that. Talk about the franchise itself being off the air for almost two years. All that stuff. Steven Fishbuck's great. I, if you've heard him in the past, you know how much I love having him on this podcast, and he will always be welcome on this podcast. So let's get going. Podcast number 254. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, he's appeared on Survivor Token Teens, also Survivor Second Chance. He's on the Know-It-Alls podcast. It is our resident Survivor expert, Stephen Fishback. Stephen, how are you? I'm great. It fills me with such uh, warmth and pride whenever you call me the resident Survivor expert. That's uh, That's like truly... Honestly, like it's a, it's like an honor. It's and I'm it's an honor and a delight to be uh, your your resident survivor expert. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Your your knowledge going back past seasons is is pretty much unmatched. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of as you talked about before we started recording. There's a lot of new survivor podcasts out there, but I don't think any of them still know as much of you know. I don't want to call it meaningless, but <laughs> you know just so much information I, about the past season. I know. Well, I'm getting older, and I feel like my, my memory is slipping. So I think there probably are some people out there who have uh, surpassed me now. Um, but uh, and, and I actually now have a, a daughter, and so like my memory is slipping even more. It's like my <laughs> my you know the space in my brain for a survivor is shrinking. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'm trying here. I'm trying to keep up with the young kids. Uh, and all the new podcasts. So I'm happy to, uh, you know, I'll hold on to the resident expert title while I can until someone supplants me. Okay. So we're recording this before um, last night's episode, episode two. Um, so we're not going to dive into anything that happened last night, but I wanted to, there's so many, it's been off the air for, you know, a year and a half now, two years. And it came back. And there's so many things about this show now that I don't want to say are they're not drastically different, but for people who have watched this show ever since the beginning, me, you, plenty of others, I, I have a lot of questions and a lot of um, not necessarily concerns, but thoughts about things that we now, I guess, are going to come to expect as the norm for Survivor. First off, for those that don't know, because of quarantine, when this season that we're watching right now was filmed back in April, May, 
Jeff announced it on the first episode. It's only twenty six. It's only twenty six days long. It's not thirty nine days filming because I'm I'm assuming it's because when they got to Fiji, everyone had to quarantine for two weeks, and then if you kept them thirty nine days, now you're keeping them fifty five days basically. And I guess it just wasn't possible. I'll get into that in a second. However, just the fact that this show is twenty six days already, literally within the first five minutes of the show. I was bummed out, and maybe it's just the nostalgia in me, maybe it's just the survivor nerd in me, but I'm really bummed out that we don't get a Probst intro of 39 days, 16, 18, 20, you know, 20 people, one survivor. We didn't get that last night. It bummed me out. Well, I um, it's interesting that you say that, because I, I felt the same way, and I also wondered if it was because of the 26 days that it would be weird to be like, you know, 18 people, 26 days. I wonder if they just didn't want to call attention to it. And as a result, they edited it out. I had the exact same thought. What I did think was cool was that they took some of the effects that you typically have in that intro of like, you know, people looking in slow-mo over their shoulders or diving into the water, you know, also in slow-mo and these kind of hero shots that they have typically used to animate the, those intros and they put them everywhere throughout the show. So in a way, I thought they kind of took the spirit and epic quality of the intro and kind of spread it out throughout the entire episode. And I think especially in that first segment, you know, right during the marooning or right um, or when they were all going to the marooning, we had like just like so many of these kind of like epic shots of people. And I think that was sort of supposed to like capture that that energy. But um, I'm, I'm like you, you know, I love the tradition. You know, I love all of the... Um, you know, the parts of the show that kind of unite it to its past. Um, I do, I, well, I'm curious, you know, does the 26 days part of it bother you because it feels less intense? Well, I was going to ask you this. And yeah, I'm bummed out that we just, I, we just didn't get that intro. And anybody that follows Dalton Ross on, on EW.com, I think last season, before last season started, uh, winners at War, he had in one of his columns a montage of all 40 seasons of Jeff Probst intros, and it, it gives you chills watching it for fun, for someone yeah. that's been a fan for so long. I went back and rewatched it today, had chills again, and it bummed me out even more that I, I guess they didn't want to say it for last night, for you know for the opening episode was because it's it varies so much. It's only 26 days. He, he, he always says 39 days, and then whether it's 16, 18, or 20, contestants one survivor i guess he didn't want to say hey 26 days 16 contestants one survivor i i don't know but um so here's my thing as a former player obviously the game is hard enough this is going to be different in that it was only shot over 26 days versus 39 only one of the season had different than 39 days i think it was australia right had 42 and everything else has been 39 days is that correct that's right okay yep so as a former player You've probably spoken to your friends with former winners of this show. Whoever ends up winning this season, can you put them in the same category? I don't care how, you know, the twists and, you know, there might be some horrible weather and we just don't know. I don't want to take anything away from whoever wins this season, but are you really truly a, can you put yourself in the same category as anybody else who's won in the past? who literally had to stay out there an extra two weeks. <laughs> it's true. And actually one of the things I love about the fact that it's uh, 26 days is that 
you know, I was a runner up on my first season. And so I was out there for 39 days. So yeah. literally no matter how long any of these guys last, they never get to, you know, even if they, they win, they, they, they still didn't last as long as I did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this really gets to elevate my position in the survivor community, <laughs> but um, ultimately, you know, you're still blindsiding the same number of people. You still have to like last through the same number of votes. And it's interesting, you know, um, Australian Survivor, the franchise version of the show that's that airs in Australia, not not you know the U.S. version of the show that's um, is uh, it's it's um, fifty five days. And Jeez. one thing I actually haven't watched it in, in the last couple of, of seasons because it's just so long. And I, I think that they this has maybe changed a little bit. But the uh, one of the problems they had in the early seasons of that show of that franchise was you know, anyone who was even remotely playing big got voted out. You know, it just like, it was like so long that they, everyone had just had like so much time to eliminate everybody. And so I think in some ways, you know, you kind of play the game that you're given. And if you're, you know, playing a 55 day game, you have to play much more cautiously, more, you know, you have to be more of a coward. And if you have a shorter game, it kind of allows you to take, um bigger swings early and so i think it actually could make more of an interesting impression i mean the, the two things that i think are going to be missing you know the two things that make it a 39 day game harder are first of all the boredom and that's one of the hardest parts of being on survivor is just all the downtime where you literally have nothing to do you know yeah. uh, and it's unlike i think any any other show you know big brother is a lot longer but they also have food they have activities they can work out you know you have nothing to do on survivor and because you're so malnourished you don't have the energy to like go swimming or you know do some of the things you might do if you were out camping and you had you know a steak and some s'mores um and the other issue is that one of the hardest parts of the game is keeping the plan together. So let's say you make a plan on day one, but if you're not going to travel council until day three, you know, that's really hard. The plan will probably change 60 times. I actually think that's become kind of a bad quality of the show where, where people were just getting bored and switching things up just to switch them up because they were restless. And um, it kind of created this randomness to events that I don't think really serves strategy that well. So in some ways, I think that 26 days may actually, it, it might be slightly easier because it's, you know, you, your body is not going <laughs> to deteriorate as much. You know, there's that extra two weeks that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and because you don't have to constantly have your finger on the pulse of what everyone is doing at all times, but it, it might enable people to actually kind of put together a strategy and enact it to a certain degree. So here's my question about the 26 days. We know the reason it was only 26 days of filming this time was because every person that's out there, all 16 players, it's 16, right? Am I not? 16. Uh, it's 18. 18. 18, sorry. The 18 players that are out there. Well, now it's 16. But yeah. Uh, yeah, two people had, out. had to quarantine for two weeks. So yeah. that basically means they were gone for 40 days. So I guess my question is, I, I, and maybe there's something you know behind the scenes about this. Why not just keep the same 39-day season and only have players on this season that when you recruited them or when you were going through the interview process said, hey, we're going to need you for 55 days, Four, <laughs> right. 14 to quarantine, yeah. and you know, 39 to shoot. Like I just don't under You didn't have to narrow the season to 26 days. You could have just got 18 players 
that could actually take 55 days off of whatever yeah. schedule they have. Well, I think part of it is because they, they kind of shoot, you know, they shoot, they shoot seasons essentially back to back. Yeah. And I'm sure some of it is the production schedule, right? Because they do that once, then they got to run it, do it again and adding, you know, they're adding basically a month to their entire or more um, to their entire production schedule. Yeah. I also, you know, I also think, you know, one of the things that Jeff keeps saying about this season is they're coming in fresh. They want this to be a new start to the franchise. You know, they're reexamining everything. And I truly don't, I mean, like as much as, you know, 30, those extra two weeks are really tough physically. And those last two weeks are really, really hard because you've been out there for a while. Your body is suffering. You're, you're kind of losing it mentally. Um, I, you know, the game itself does not need to be as slow as it's been, you know, like there's a lot of downtime. And so why, I mean, I think if you're like reconsidering it, you're thinking, you know, Hey, we have this chance to totally reconsider the franchise. Like, why do we have to have this extra two weeks where it's horrible for the contestants' minds, it's horrible for their bodies. It doesn't really add that much to the game, except maybe like a sense of, you know, enduring more. Um, and it screws our production schedule. Like, there's no. I, I mean, mm. I agree with you about the tradition, but like, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I, it doesn't bother me so much. And I think the fact that you know, I'm, I'm envious of the people who get to play the 26 day game uh, and and not have to like, you know completely decimate their bodies. I mean, you see these before and after pictures of the contestants. I mean, certainly my own, I lost, you know, 35 pounds on my first season and I'm not a big guy to begin with. Um, you know, you don't, you don't need it. Like it's kind of a cool, a cool thing. And I'm sure they're all going to st still lose weight. And, you know, that's always been kind of um, a testament to how real the show is, but I, I don't know. I, like, I, it doesn't bother me that much. And I think it, it, it may just be a personality thing. You know? yeah. I'm sure for, a lot of people, it's like, this is what makes the game essential. This is what makes it authentic. People are really surviving. Um, and I still, they can still survive. It'll just be, you know, a little less miserable. Yeah, and I and I wonder. I, I wonder if this is going to become the norm. We know it's 26 days because they had to quarantine for two weeks. When we get to a point in this country, or Fiji gets to a point, since it's right. filmed out there, where they don't require a two-week quarantine, are we going to go back to 39 days? Like, when yeah. when quarantine isn't a thing anymore... Does it go back to that, or will they be in it for, you know, we know at least the next two seasons uh, or have already been shot. Um, this one and then the one that's going to air in February has already been shot. That was done over 26 days as well. You know, you wonder, is this maybe this is just going to be the norm, even if there is no such thing as quarantine two, three, four years down the line? We just, I guess yeah. I guess time will tell on that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And I, I, would, I would be surprised, honestly, like I kind of assumed and hoped it would, but I don't, I don't, it would go back to the 39 days, but, um, I think it'd be really hard, right? If you've got, if you're like, if you've made your job a lot easier, not to say that it's easy to produce survivor, those people are incredible, but if you've like suddenly shortened your, you know, your filming time by two weeks, why would you ever choose to expand it? Yeah. Um, if you can do like the same product in you know, two weeks, less time. It seems like it would only be for nostalgia purposes of let's go yeah. back to our, our roots of, we like to have a 39 day winner. I don't know. I guess that'd be yeah. the only reason. Um, and they're definitely making it harder. I mean, one of the things we should talk about, too, is like, you know, the, a lot of the changes that Jeff made, like that they're making for this season of Survivor are making it just like just much, much harder. I mean, out of the gate, all these guys got was, well, really nothing, right? The, the, the tribes got nothing. And normally, you know, you go back to camp with some tools, you know, maybe a little bit of rice, like maybe you've got some f extra food, some fruits that you can eat. This time, you know, the one tribe won uh, in the first challenge the the essential tools of camp which are a flint to make fire a pot you know to boil water and a machete to make your shelter and 
cut anything that needs to be, you know, to be cut. Um, and the other tribes didn't get that. And they had to do a, a pretty grueling challenge to get those tools. And then the two tribes that lost the immunity challenge had to give up their flint. So I think like they're really making it physically a lot harder on these guys. You know, I'm sure somewhat to counteract that uh, softening effect of not having the extra two weeks. The, the couple changes that I want to talk about first before we get into the game changes are the production changes that we noticed. We, you know, first one being the, the no Jeff Probst intro. Um, the fact that they've included, I, I, this was a great production addition. It's, it makes you wonder why it took them 40 seasons to do it. But the fact that we get to see a wide shot and we get to see a crew shot of how this show is filmed, I thought was really cool because we've never seen it in 40 seasons. We've never seen any of the crew outside of when an, um, emergency comes in and somebody, then a doctor has to come in. But we've never seen the whole crew of it takes to do a water shot and a scene on, on a boat and how many people are around. And I thought that was super cool to actually see that. I hope they include that every season going forward. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Steve. I, I it was It's something that they've been so weirdly resistant to. And we've seen so many other shows who have kind of embraced that. I mean, yeah. you know, certainly uh, Bachelor, uh the the challenge another show we've talked about is you know they've all they you'll have you know producers talking you'll have footage from producers um and it's been so and survivor has really resisted that and i think they've long had this idea of like not wanting to break the fourth wall at all and i agree with you it's so much more powerful to see it because this you know this crew that goes out there is giant you know it's hundreds of people um they have all of these these helicopters i mean you know that shot that wide shot of the ship where you see like all of the different other ships around and then there's like you know 30 people sitting on the ship with all their cameras it makes the show it, i think that they were worried that it would take away from the show to, to pull behind the scenes but actually i think it just makes it so much more exciting to see all of the work and all of the people and all of the craft and technical expertise that goes into creating this and also i think from a human perspective you know all of these people have they too have been waiting you know two years to play survivor again. Uh, it's not just the contestants. It's not just the viewers. It's the crew uh, and producers who love the show so much, who are so excited to be there. And I thought that, you know, those shots kind of communicated some of, some of that as, as well. I mean, it's freaking epic. Like what a, yeah. what a, what a production, you know, like some of those underwater shots of like the oars rowing or, you know, the, the wildlife shots that they always have, uh, not to mention all the different angles that they capture the contestants in, you know, in the, in the middle of, of uh, nowhere, right? It's not like they're shooting from a hotel. Yeah, I just think it was really cool to see that. And it is amazing when we did see a wide shot of the boat last night, of everybody arriving and how many smaller boats were around it and, I guess, scaffoldings where production was sitting and filming. It was also, like... Amazing to think, like, wow, we've never seen that before. 40 seasons, you know, how many episodes we get a season? And we've just never seen a wide shot that included um, the crew. And it was, I just thought it was really cool. Um, the I other, totally agree. The other thing that um, production-wise that they included was almost in a Bachelor kind of realm where we get almost an intro video of some of the contestants. Usually it's just them in their confessionals sitting under a tree sitting on the beach saying oh my name's lisa i'm a you know i'm a healthcare worker whatever the case may be we actually right. got video footage in a kind of a a hazy kind of grainy almost hey this is them back at home video where you'd see on other shows not necessarily this one i thought that was a cool element that they added to the show we got to know them a little bit more 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, oh, and you're right. A lot of other shows do that. I mean, actually, the Australian version of the franchise that I mentioned, they, they do that. They'll have some of that at-home footage. You know, a lot of other wilderness shows will do that, like The Lone. I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's tons. Like you said, The Bachelor. I'm sure like, there's tons of shows that do that. I really like it. I, I think you get so much more. You get to see these people in their element. I think you're immediately more connected. Because so, so much of what Survivor is about is this adventure. And it's, it's these, you know, 16, 18 people who are stepping outside their lives and going into the jungle and they're on a huge adventure and what are the changes that you know how are they going to push themselves what are they going to do for a million dollars how are they going to change as people and i think being grounded in you know their life at home seeing the, their family members seeing their workplaces just inherently kind of sets up that that uh dichotomy a little bit of like here's who they were and who should they want to become here or here's even like who who they're playing for right who here's who the people back at home that are meaningful to them that that animate this now yeah. i'm curious what you think about this because i know you follow dalton as well and so you just you mentioned dalton ross earlier yeah. he kind of felt they leaned into this a little bit too much that everyone had a thought you know how many it was last night was the first or you know for us last night i guess this is, this is coming out in a week yeah. but you know the first episode was two hours it was the first time we've ever met these contestants probably you know 10 of them or 14 of them had packages where we learned all of their sob stories and and he was saying it's it's too much kind of like emotional i don't remember his exact words he put it very well but like he felt like it was instead of like letting us meet the characters letting us build letting us care about them we were just immediately being kind of like thrust into their sob stories without any context what, what did you think about that I didn't have a pro see. I guess maybe I come from the since we've never seen this on Survivor before, and we come from shows that do include stuff like that, where you get videos of people back home. I was fine with it, and I, yeah. I, I think over two hours, even though we did have a double elimination, I guess I was fine with it. I didn't think it killed too much time. I felt it. It you know this show is more so. Yeah, there's strategy involved and gameplay involved, but. I think you know, having played it a couple times, this really comes down to your social game and how you connect with people, and it's a giant social experiment. So it is nice to know a little bit more about these people versus you know, actually seeing video of it versus just kind of what they say, because all we can do is take them for their, their word for it. But you know, who was the one last night? Um, Tiffany, who you know had a double mastectomy, and we saw her back home with her family, and she's the video of her finding out that she got accepted on the show. Like... I, that's just stuff that I think the human interest part of this show has always been huge. And I think this just adds to it. Right. I totally agree. You immediately connect more to these people um, when you have that sort of right. Yeah. That video, like you're never going to no confessional is going to be able to capture that moment of joy. Exactly. Um, here's one thing that I definitely want to talk to you about. Obviously it's a major point from last night and I don't know why it was a major point. And maybe this is something that you would know more about, because you're more dialed into the survivor sub world and you know, you talk to a lot of people and this phrase of Jeff Probst, when the teams come in saying, come on in guys, yeah. I've, I've never thought twice about it in 40 seasons that this was somehow uh, offending a group of people. Um, yeah. and, and maybe that's just my ignorance. Has this been something that's been brewing behind the scenes and that's why they decided to do it. Why was this, and look, it's not like I'm against it. It's just it's one word being taken out. Great. Um, right. But it's a word we've heard for 40 seasons of him saying, come on in, guys. And all of a sudden, he's just like, you know what? I don't want to say it anymore. And it's just like, right. wait, where did this come from? Has this been something brewing <laughs> online? Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What well, happened? 
I mean, the broad context is that, you know, I do think that there's been a huge push for um, diversity on the show. And, yeah. you know, you you probably know that CBS mandated that all of their shows now have to have um, 50, I think it, 50 BIPOC people, you know, 50% BIPOC cast members. Yes. And so that, you know, is going to, I think Survivor generally, I think people are kind of looking at it and, you know, maybe the producers now too are looking at it and saying like, what are our blind spots? Where are the ways that we are being, you know, maybe reinforcing um, bigoted ideas or ways that we can update to be more in line with like the way, you know, contemporary people are thinking and, and speaking and, and interacting with each other. The, the phrase come on in guys personally does not bother me. Um, but yeah. obviously it sounds like it bothers some people. Um, and I'm not offended buy it but i'm also not particularly bothered by the change and so if it's going to make some people happy it did sound i agree with you that it sounded like the show itself and jeff wanted to make the change they wanted to like show they were doing something and then they kind of put it on the contestants like hey anybody here have a problem with it and you know initially um nobody says anything yeah this, no this anything. uh evie uh speaks up and says that they are totally fine with it that you know, they don't mind the word guys and it's fine. But I mean, to be fair to those 18 people, this is like the first five minutes. Um, you know, they're on TV. They know that they have, you know, 6 million people watching them. They've got, as we talked about 50 crew members with cameras in their faces. It's not exactly the easiest chance to like, you know, truly do a deep dive into your, you know, your personal feelings about the word guys. So uh, later on, then one of the other contestants for card spoke up and said, you know, I do have a problem with that. I do think we can change. Um, I know a lot of people I saw online were objecting strenuously uh, to this. They felt like the word guys was super important to the whole franchise. Um, again, like it, I didn't have a problem with the word guys, but if there are people out there who feel excluded by it, it, does, it doesn't really even affect the, the catchphrase at all. Come on in, you know, and then it's like the same, you, you know, it doesn't, doesn't, nothing has changed. Yeah. About this it's, show. it's not a huge thing. I just didn't know where, I didn't know if this was something that, had been brewing online and Jeff was getting tweeted about it a lot. And they, you know, how about you reconsider this? I just didn't know where it came from, but I'm with you. Uh, it, the fact that they're changing it from come on in guys to come on in. I'm fine with that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It was just, it was just such a bigger part of last night's episode that I was, I was just kind of surprised that I was like, this had to have come from somewhere. And yeah. And I thought that I, I agree. Yeah. Where, like, where was it brewing online that I, was there chatter online? Were were people getting offended? I don't know. I I didn't understand. I, I hadn't seen anyone objecting to. I hadn't had not seen anyone objecting to. Okay. Come on in, guys. Before uh, before last night, um, for sure. Although you know, I think a lot of people. The, the the backlash that I saw was mostly, you know, why make it such a big deal? You know, just change it. It doesn't need to be such a big deal. And I, I kind of agree with that. Like, just just change it. It doesn't need to. You know, like it, it also seemed. You know, if the show wanted to do it anyway which it seemed it did, it didn't seem like totally fair to put it on the contestants. Like, no. you know, and it's not like if Ricard had approached Jeff on the street and been like, Hey, can you change? Come on in guys. He wouldn't suddenly be like, yes, it's out, you know? So, I mean, the fact that it was done in the context of the show. Um, yeah. But I mean, again, like if, if, you know, uh, if, if people have a problem with it, if it is an issue and maybe, maybe they were hearing about it, right. Maybe production was hearing about it behind no. the scenes in a way that, um, you know, maybe maybe a friend of Jeff did. Maybe there was someone, you know, some maybe not Ricard himself, but someone like Ricard who, you know, went up to Jeff and, and said on the street, hey, like that, that line really bothers me. Um, and it's just like if, it's, if, if it bothers people, who cares? You know, like it's not a big deal. 
And I guess the devil's advocate to why they make such a big deal out of it, why not just take it out and not even bring it up, would have been the Survivor diehards watching the episode right, would, not, would have said, yeah. why did why did Jeff's not say, come on in, guys, last night? What happened? Right. And then he would have right. had to address it either probably in his interview with Dalton every Thursday morning, or maybe he just takes to tw- or maybe he just takes to Twitter and says this is why we decided it could have all been done like in the online world and not been yeah. given ten minutes of uh, maybe five minutes of it on TV last night you know whatever the case yeah. might be but um that I mean, was definitely the thing is I guess like it's almost like more symbolic than it is you know in itself substantive I don't think I've seen anybody who like I've seen very few people online who have actually objected to come on in guys um, but I've also seen very few people who cared that much about losing the guys. And so maybe the the whole point of it is just to show like, Hey, we're examining every part of this show and trying to figure out how we can change, how we can be better. And I think that's a nice message, right? Like that's like, that's even if you don't care about the substance of like, come on in guys, the idea that the show is taking these kind of questions seriously and trying to update it's, it's language and and the whole, um, and it's thinking I think is, is powerful. So you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to get to because I'm just totally confused and maybe I just watched it wrong was all three all three teams get to the beach and they have a challenge given to them they can choose a puzzle or filling up two giant barrels uh, with water in a span of 4 hours with a you know a, a sand timer all three teams i believe chose the water right it was Three or no, two, the two that didn't win. That's right. Two, right. The two that didn't win. The one, the, the, the green tribe that won the rowing challenge. Um, they didn't have to. They didn't have they to. Got the tools. The yeah. two losing teams had to fill. They and they chose. Well, we're not going to do the puzzle. We want to do. We want to carry water for four hours, filling up two buckets. Did I miss something? Wasn't the puzzle just count how many triangles are here? What? Why? <laughs> I, I must have missed that because that seemed like such the easier thing to do than spend four hours. Walking to and from the beach, you know, you know, like the the concerns that they had, isolating two guys uh, away from the the other four in the tribe, that could be, a, you know, a red flag for some people. When it was just like, hey, just count how many triangles are are within this triangle, unless I totally yeah. miss something. <laughs> so I I hear you about that, and that was my inclination too. Last night, though, after the episode, I did look at that triangle. Like, holy cow! Like that was like that was very 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 tricky. Because there were so many little triangles and sub-triangles. You know, there were different lines crisscrossing it. You know, what's what's a triangle? Where, where you know, and maybe that would take a lot less effort and a lot less time. But there's also a real possibility that you could get it wrong in yeah. a way that, like, you're not going to get putting water in a barrel wrong. And I think with the stakes of it being about flint, it being about a machete, it being about a pot, you know, what can you do without those three things on Survivor? You know, you need the, the flint to make fire, to stay warm, to cook any food you might get. You know, you need the machete to, to um, you know, build a shelter. Uh, you know, you certainly need the pot to boil water. So I think, like, those are real essentials to living on Survivor, and I don't think you want to screw it up. You know, you don't want to, even if you think the puzzle is going to be a lot easier, even if you think the puzzle, you know, even if you, you, you may know the puzzle, the, the risk of it is so high of, you know, you just miss one little triangle that's like, you know, at the angle between six other triangles, and then you don't get any of those things for the next, you know, two days. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's, it's tough. It would be tough. I would really need to have a puzzle master on my trial. I would not trust myself to do that puzzle. Um, okay. I would I'll... need someone who is even better than me. Okay. So. Fair enough. I guess I didn't spend enough time. I didn't pause the TV and actually look. It just seemed easy, but I again, I, it was 
I didn't pause it and look. It might have been a lot more difficult than I I, I envisioned it. I envisioned it when I saw it air on the episode. So overall, there were a lot of twists that were thrown into last night's episode. I even wrote down in my notes the beware advantage, but that's all I wrote. Now I forgot what the beware advantage was. <laughs> well, we never learned. I don't think we learned because I agree. There's a lot. There was a lot that went on. I don't think we learned what the beware advantage is. We know that at some point there is a beware advantage. I don't think we actually learned what it was. Oh, we didn't learn what it was? Okay. When, yeah. but when was that given? Was that the one that Jeff stuck in the tree in the beginning? No, yeah. that was. I think that was an idol. That, well, that so was the I, idol. The, okay. I, don't, I don't even God, think I'm so we, confused. I, I may be wrong, cause, but I don't think we even learned where the beware advantage was. So there was definitely one of these things where, like, here's something new, and then we never heard about it. I mean, I mean I'm sure it will come back up in the future, but yeah, um, sure. funny to introduce it when it's not even, like, part of the, you know, and there, and there was so much going on in that episode last night so many uh advantages and you know that that there was that that big test there was that that the one challenge that we just talked about like you do the triangles and you do the water um and then of course there was that where they all met and they had to do that kind of prisoner's dilemma like do i risk my vote or do i keep my vote there was a lot of like confusing mechanics happening yeah and i and trust me the protect versus risk had my mind spinning in in the <laughs> moment i'm like wait a second wait what is okay so let's break this down Danny, Xander, and JD all get chosen by their tribe. Some volunteered, some pulled rocks, but those are the three guys that go on this trek, and then they get in this prisoner's dilemma of you get to protect your vote or risk your vote. And if it was, if all three ended up protecting, then nothing changes. If if all three ended up risking, then all three was it that? Here's where I was got got confused on the protect on the protect or uh, risk your vote. It says you get an extra vote. Was that an extra vote as a team or that one particular player gets an extra vote? Yeah. So what, so if, if all, protecting your vote, there's no change, basically. Yeah. So if you protect your vote, not, you, you definitely get to vote. Nothing happens. If you risk your vote and everybody risks their vote, then everybody loses their vote. All three of those people lose their vote at the next Oh, it was council. lose their vote. If all, okay. And then yeah. if it was a split, which it ended up being because – so Danny ends up protecting his vote. Xander right. admits to the camera, I chose risk, told his tribe he chose risk. JD was the wild card. He told right. his tribe protect, but we saw at tribal council, he got the extra vote, which means he chose, he ended up choosing risk. So Xander has an extra vote to use before final six, as does um, JD. JD. JD, yeah, yeah. JD, JD was the one at the tribal council. Yeah. So Xander and yeah. JD all have an extra vote to use Anytime before final six now. Yes. And and we don't know. I mean, obviously, we're only one episode in. We don't know if Xander or JD tells anybody else yet if, that they have an extra vote. Okay, so that's... Well, Xander, right, right. I mean, Xander said, you know, as you noted, Xander told the tribe that he was going to. Whether or not he actually ends up sharing is another story. What would you do? What would you have done? Would you have done protect or risk? I would do risk. I mean, so so I, 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 I want to talk through this with you, Steve, because... Yeah. I was thinking risk, and then someone on Twitter who I respect a lot was um, kind of disagreeing with me about this. So, I was the reason that I think you do risk is that first of all, in the first tribal council of the season, it almost never comes down to one vote. You know, it's never going to be a three-three split, and you're going to lose because you lost your vote. You know, it's almost always five-one, four-two, um, and so I don't think your vote in that situation matters that much. On the other hand, the chance of getting an extra vote that you can use at any time later on could be really powerful. So, and the fact that you can use it up until the final six, I think, is is really could be really powerful. So, 
there's a lot of, um, I think the risk is low and the potential reward is high. The other thing that actually Dalton Ross was, was tweeting was that if, if you risk your vote and the other two risk their vote and you all lose your vote, well, it's true that you lost your vote, but you've also prevented the other two from getting an extra vote that could be used against you later because they're both on other tribes. And while they, you know, maybe they now feel friendly in the moment, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen down the line. So the possibility of, you know, preventing the others from from getting that extra vote is also good. So here's the counter argument. This came from um, Shannon Gus, who podcasts again about the Australian version of the show. Um, she was saying that your vote is so important in this first tribal council. Like, yes, it's probably going to be a five-one vote, but what if it's a two-two-two vote, right? What if you think someone has an idol and you want to split the votes, and suddenly you can't because you risk yours? Um, and just like the the possible risk of that she thought outweighed the advantage of, of the extra vote because historically, actually, if you look at how often the extra vote has been played, it's never really made that much of a difference. It's never really mattered that much, that extra vote, because it's such a situational advantage. It's really hard to know when you, when you should play that, that extra vote. I, I, I myself uh, went out on an episode where I played a vote steal, which was similar to the extra vote where I got to steal someone else's vote and then cast it. So there's a lot of risk to it not often that much reward. So I, I still think I would go for it. I think in, I think for Survivor, I, I kind of want to be one of those players who is trying to drive the game forward and not letting, you know, waiting for the game to come to me. Um, but what's your take? What would you do? I would have risked and I would have lied to my tribe. I would have sold to my predicted. Yeah. That's what I would have yeah. done. When yeah, I, was I think about telling that. the truth is really, is really uh, too risky because if you've got an advantage that nobody else has, you can say it's the tribes, but nobody really has to trust you about that. Well, yeah. And then the other thing is we know there's going to be a uh, you know tribe swap at some point. And right, then, exactly. Then there's that whole aspect. Now Xander has told five other people, well, now four. Um, wait, his, his, was his tribe the one, one of the two that lost one last night? Xander? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so now he's got four other people that know that he's got an advantage. And I just think... That's why, like, I'm I'm fine to going for risk, but I'm not telling people I'm going. I did the risk. Yeah, yeah, I like, totally agree. Tell people, right. oh, I protected, so I'm we're good. Nothing happens and, to me. And if it gets out, you know, one person tells one other person who tells another person, suddenly you become a target because even if the extra vote is not that valuable, people look for anything to target other people. So just to say, like, hey, that guy has an extra vote, that's a reason to vote someone out. Yeah, um, that's why I would I would I would have risked it would have told the tribe exactly what happened, but told them I protected and nothing has changed. And then I would never tell anybody. And then at some point I would use my extra vote at some, at some tribal council down the line. But you know, we'll see, we'll see if it comes back to backfire on Xander and, and JD. Um, yeah, the, the other twist, which was interesting, which I didn't even, again, I must not pay attention during the show. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I swear when I, when I read Dalton's recap the next day, I realize, wow, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, so the shot, in the, the shot in the dark twist um, is at tribal council. Now you have the ability to, if you think you're going home and you don't have an idol and you don't have anything that can save you, you can choose um, to, uh, play the shot in the dark challenge where you draw uh, from a, you have a one in six chance of drawing a parchment that says you're safe. Um, yes. For some reason, 
I thought that was every tribal council all the way through the end of the season. I thought it was – I didn't realize you only had one chance to use it as a contestant. I thought it was every tribal council you go to, you have the ability to do this. And I was like – Yeah, that would be way too much. I, yeah. I think that's how, it, they, that's how they initially explained it. Yeah, that's but what I thought. then they handed okay. everyone their die. So then it was like, okay, you get, everyone gets one of these things, and you can use it once. Okay, yeah. That's they, didn't, I, they did not do a good job of clarifying that, though. I think it was not you. I, it was the show. So that is another thing that um, – so it doesn't matter even when they even so even when they go to uh, the merge and let's say there are 12 people at tribal council, it's still a one in six shot. That's always what it's going to be. Yeah, I think everyone individually will always have a one in six shot. And I don't think like if multiple people do it, then suddenly the odds change. And I don't think it's based on the number of people in the tribe. I think it is always a one in six shot. And that's kind of what maybe where the die comes from because the die has, has six uh, sides. Yeah. Six sides. But it is funny. <laughs> I commented on this on, on uh, my podcast with Rob Sesternino last night. The know-it-alls. Um, it's weird that it's a die and they don't actually roll the die. You yeah. know, like why make it a die? And then like, then you put the die in the urn and then you draw a parchment and it's like, okay, but like, what's the point of having it be a die? But um, yeah, that's so, uh, that's just my note on the production design. So we so when when they're still in their tribes of right now, it's three tribes. Of, well, it's one tribe of six and two tribes of five. So let's just say somebody goes to tribal. Uh, the tribe of one of the tribes of five goes to tribal, and let's just say everybody there thought they were in danger and they all used it. Technically, <laughs> technically, with only five, it's yeah. it is possible yeah. that nobody draws the safe. And nobody, yeah. Uh, that's or that every well. So I think that. So here's what I, I don't think that necessarily. Um, I don't think it's based. I think I don't think it's like if five people play it or if six people play it, then one person. I could be wrong about this. I don't think if it's if six people play it, then one person is definitely drawing safe. I had understood that each person was draw. Maybe you're, you're probably right. If multiple people play it, that's a really important clarification. I had thought that each person had a one in six shot. Yeah, that's I what I thought. I didn't think, but if you're but you're saying. If six people play it, they're all drawing a piece of paper, and so one person is definitely getting the safe one. Yeah, that's what. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, if it's six, what if six people decide to draw it one at one tribal, yeah. and then somebody's getting it? Uh, shit, if eight, um, if eight people try, like when we're we're you know we merge it, you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen people. What if everybody there? Uh, decides to do it, it then right, only, and then there's like twelve. Like, yeah, how does that work? That's that's a really important mechanic because you're right. Like if it's if it's everyone is drawing from the same urn and like the paper doesn't get refreshed, then yeah, like then it actually could be a really interesting strategy to have multiple people do it with the thinking that one of them is going to be safe. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't really think about that angle. And if you draw it. If you draw, then you lose your. It was you lose your vote too, right? If you choose to draw, well, I think just just by playing it, yeah, right. So if you right. go for your shot in the dark, you lose your vote. Yeah, lose your vote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is it's so hard to figure out. Like, is this is this twist going to work? Is it going to be? Is it going to be? Um, you know, be a game changer where it's obvious later on down in the season somebody is definitely going home. They know they're going home. They pull it and. They get that seventy percent chance that they pull a safe, and all of a sudden, the whole game's thrown into flux. Because, I, and I'm assuming because they didn't even explain this. I'm assuming if it happens and someone pulls safe, then the person with the next highest amount of votes ends up going home. I'm assuming. That's yes, that's right. I think it's like an idol that has idol. only a one in six chance of of, of working. Gotcha. Okay. So, so yeah, 
I mean, it, I, again, it's it's like, well, what do I think of this twist? I I don't know what I think of it. If it, if it doesn't end up playing a major factor, then I think it sucks. <laughs> you know, it's tough to say. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting, yeah. but it's tough to say if I know if I really love this twist or not. What were your thoughts on it? Do you like it? Um, I do like it. I think that it adds like some variation. It gives the play, you know, um, it's not too powerful, right? If it was like, if, if everyone got an idol, that would suck. If everyone even got an idol at a 50% chance of working, that would be too much. I like that. I think one in six is an interesting number, an interesting percentage because it's, it's unlikely, but the, there's still a shot, you know, it still could work. And I think it adds, like, it, it is going to add just that little bit of variability and flavor um, to, you know, and sometimes sur- survivors that it's worst when you have, you know, an alliance of nine and they're picking off like the three or four players left. And it's just a quick, you know, it's so hard to see any drama in those episodes where it's like, you know, is it player A or player B? If it's not player A today, it's going to be, you know, player A next week. Um, and, you know, when you've got this like huge cohesive ma- majority that's voting out, the you know completely screwed minority and i think like adding this little wrinkle just like it makes it, even if honestly even if it doesn't work it still adds drama because there's that question of will they be safe and it also what's cool is that it forces the alliance uh the big alliance to split their votes because they know that each of these people has a shot in the dark and the risk is so huge or or is it or you know or do you think the risk of of splitting the vote is bigger than the risk of the shot in the dark hitting. I mean, I think it just adds like some interesting complications to to votes that could help kind of mix it up, um, and especially mix it up when you know you have those sort of what we call pagongings, where one tribe is just getting voted off like person by person. Okay, I just thought of this. Now this makes it more intriguing to me. As a player, what if you come back from voting? And you sit down, and you're not one of the, you're not the last person to vote, and you tell people I used it, I got safe. Just so you know, before you go vote, are they allowed to do that? Would they? Well, would someone so the, be allowed to come back rule, and lie? Well, the rule is that they won't know, so you don't know if if it worked until the votes are read. So not even the person playing it knows. I thought they pull so, it. I thought they pull it, and they know right there because you're no, pulling something that says safe. I, no, I, I don't think so. I, I, oh. I mean, it does look like they're pulling a piece of parchment, which is weird. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. But my impression was that nobody knows if the person is safe until the votes are read. I think they just like take the parchment and put it in the thing. I mean, I honestly, honestly, Steve, like oh. the fact that we don't know the rules of it, like makes it so like, you know, like this is not us. Like, you know, they, they need to be clear about this because there's, it's so, there's so many, you know, permutations for how this could work. And it, it so depends on how, you know, how it actually is designed. Uh, but my understanding was that nobody knows until the votes are read. Okay, so I'm, I'm just trying to think out loud here. Let's just say it's it's how you said. You pull a parchment yeah. and you stick it in the box. Yeah. It just says safe. How would Jeff know who pulled safe? I mean, you know, there's someone in the vote in the booth filming you. But I'm, that, that, I guess that's my thing. It's like I would think that the person who decides I'm going to drop my die and I'm going to pull would find out right there. They would know, like they would leave that voting yeah. booth knowing, oh wow, I just took a chance and I'm safe, as opposed to, I just took a chance now I got to go sit down and find out in a few minutes. I don't know. I, it's confusing. I mean, the only problem with that, I mean, I think your way makes sense because it gives someone people more opportunity to lie. But the only problem is, like, let's say you have the shot in the dark and you have an idol, and you don't know whether to play the shot in the dark. I mean, you don't know who to play the idol for. Like, like you know that it's like 
you know, there's eight people in the majority tribe and there's two people in the minority. And you're like, we have one idol to split between us. Who do we give it to? It kind of would suck if like you both play a shot in the dark, one of you gets safe and then you know exactly who to give the idol to, you know, like it's almost unfair. Um, and suddenly mm -hmm. it's like the shot in the dark goes from being, you know, this really lucky random chance to kind of like having almost too much power. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting. We, we, we should we should probably figure out how the thing actually works before we decide uh, the best way to play it. And now that I'm thinking about it, are you allowed to talk after you go back and sit down after you voted? Do they allow? Yeah, you can talk? say whatever you want. Okay, that's you, right. I mean, like know. it's funny. Like I actually got screwed by that because um, I hate I hate it when contestants like relate everything to their seasons, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> So like my when on my uh, season my second season in Cambodia I went to vote and apparently like as I went up to vote like Keith one of the other guys on my season like pointed to like my seat and like everyone was like yeah vote him vote him and like I didn't know that was happening and I actually could have saved myself if I knew but my ally Jeremy Collins did know it was happening so if he just shouted over at me like hey fishback it's you you know like save yourself I could have saved myself. Um, so, but, uh, you know, people, I think people, you can really do what you want. You know, oh, okay. you've seen these people that they get up, they walk across the, the, the tribal council auditorium, you know, they whisper to each other. I think there's like decorum, but there's no real rules. Okay. I, yeah, I know that when Jeff's talking to everybody, I know that's when everyone gets up. Even we saw it in the first episode where the, uh, the Yasi tribe was just all over the, I think it was that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They were all over the map, you know, whispering in each other's ears. I've always thought, though, once he says, all right, time to vote, maybe he should say time to vote, guys. Um, <laughs> time, time to vote. It just seems like everybody just walks, sits down, and just maybe makes eye contact with people. But I'm, I, I don't remember scrambling happening while the voting process was happening. Maybe I'm yeah. forgetting, though. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know. No, I mean, maybe you're right. Like, I don't think they're going to stop you. You know, I think maybe it's one of those things where nobody's done it. But that doesn't mean they can't do it, you know? I mean, you know, like JT in season, whatever it was, uh, Game Changers, he was the first guy to get out of his seat and walk across the, you know, or walk across the tribal council. And that was like season 35. Nobody had ever done it before. Um, I mean, it was 34. I don't remember. But, you know, no, no one had ever, had ever, uh, so, you know, in, in 35 seasons of the show, nobody had thought to get up and, 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 like, walk across the tribal council. And now everyone does it all the time. And I think it could be one of those things, you know, like, the production loves that stuff. You know, they love it when something chaotic and unexpected happens, as long as it doesn't, you know, violate the rules of the game. So I'm sure if someone like, while you were getting up to vote, like ran up and like stopped you, it was like, no, vote for him. You know, I'm sure they would let you do it. Yeah. They, I mean, I've just said production loves chaos. So I'm, yeah, it just seems like I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Like I said, my, my memory retention from the show disappears once the season ends. And I just, but just from just thinking right now, it always seems like the chaos happens during the tribal talk versus when the voting starts. It just seems like everybody. Right. Oh yeah. No. And that, that is always how it's been. And I'm just saying like, maybe, you know, I don't think there's anything necessary about that. I okay. think, you know, Oh, there's probably a point where it's like, let's just get this done. You know, we're done yeah. chattering here. Maybe at a certain point they would be like, okay, like enough. Like we just need to like move on here. We got limited tape. And I'm really, I'm really interested to see how this shot in the dark works. I, I'd love for it to be like, one particular episode, we get an edit where it's just this person is obviously going home. Everyone else in the tribe is, you know, safe in their in their assumption that, oh, yeah, we're all voting for them. It's a it's a done deal. And then this person 
um, pulls it, at, you know, pulls their dice at at voting and ends up pulling safe. And then we see a which would clearly be a blindside at that point. That'd be really interesting to see. I hope it happens because if it doesn't, like you said, it still is intriguing. The thought that somebody might pull a safe that everyone thinks is going home based on the edit that we're right. being shown. But yes. if, if it actually is executed, I think that'd be, I mean, it'd be great TV is what it is, what it would end up being. And that's what they hope for every season is just great television and great dramatic moments. Blindsides are always a huge thing. They even, you know, throw up hashtag blindside on the season sometimes um, to get people yeah. talking. Hell last night, Jeff Probst says, Hey, you can tweet at me at Jeff Probst. Like were you, it sounds like you were a fan of the breaking of the fourth wall of that whole first episode. I was. I thought it was cool. But to be fair, Jeff says you can tweet at me, but I probably won't read it. Yeah. Um, it says that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I did. Th- I think that I did think that was fun. I really liked it. I mean, you know, I think that like it's like it's like showing the production. It's like kind of just like be acknowledging a little more. Like, hey, this is a show. Like you're playing along at home. You know, we're going to tell you things that the that the contestants don't know. Sometimes the contestants will do things and we're not going to show you them in real time. You know, I think it's just having a little bit more fun with it as a TV show, you know, and it's kind of like, leaving. you know, I think maybe because, you know, Survivor obviously wasn't the first reality show, but it was sort of like the first big prestige reality show, you know, that, and, and I think maybe they kind of always had this idea of like, we are documenting this game that's happening. And, you know, I think like the, the, slowly over the last couple of years, they've sort of, in moving more towards thinking of it as a uh, or kind of opening it up as a TV show. And I think this is really a great next step in that trajectory where now, like you say, they're like talking directly to us, you know, they're, they're showing us the crew. I think it's all kind of part and parcel of the same thing. And I, I thought it was fun, you know, like we are the, we are the viewers. I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of what the bachelor does, right? Like it's, it's much more uh, direct with the audience. Well, the other thing about that is this game within a game that they say is for young survivor players out there. Did you go on that site? And I, I saw during the, you know, during the immunity challenge, they paused the TV for maybe one or two seconds to show a clue that was on the side. Did anybody that you know, or did you go on that site to dissect that puzzle? Or what is this all about? I didn't. I mean, I think they're just like little kids puzzles. Like they're little like Revis's for kids. I don't think there's any like real big mystery payoff you know it's not like westworld where it's like uh, we're gonna like see what you know the, no- the nature of knowledge is once we solve the puzzle um i think i really think it's just like for fun for kids but um i didn't go on i just i mean i did the rebus uh but i did not actually input it anywhere okay so was okay i i saw it i was like okay just uh... I'm, I'm getting thrown so much information at me this episode and so many twists. I was lot. like, I don't need to play along in this, in this silly side game. Um, but you know, whatever. Um, another thing about this season, this was more of a, a production thing. And I'm just curious of what you think of the fact that they have gotten from what I've read, they've gotten rid of the themes. There's not going to be any heroes, villains or fans or favorites and all this stuff. It's just going to be numbered seasons from now on. Are you fine with that? I love it, honestly. I think one of the worst parts of the recent season has been all the themes. Like, it just makes it so corny. It's like, what's cool about Survivor is when it's like epic and like, you know, just like people in the in the wilderness, like, like voting, backstabbing, surviving, you know, building, like making fire. Like, that's the part that's like exciting and fun. Like, who cares? Like, David's versus Goliath's, which was a great season. The worst part of that was like everyone being, you know, and, and then whenever they have the, se- the, the theme 
Like they have to spend like so many episodes like explaining it and justifying it. And like, why is Mike white, you know, who, you know, a little, a little shrimpy guy. Why is he on the Goliath? Well, because he's the Goliath in like spirits and, you know, he's got a big, you know, he's a successful uh, writer and, and producer. I mean, it's just like, it be, you know, it became so contorted to explain these different breakdowns when essentially like they're just trying to have the tribes balanced, right? They just want them to be like roughly equal in terms of like the, the dynamics on each tribe. You know, each tribe needs to kind of roughly have a bunch of strong people and roughly have like a bunch of smart people. And, you know, it's just like, and, and there need to be some strategic people. There need to be some wilderness people. And like the, the idea that they're like falling neatly into these like groups of, you know, healers versus heroes versus hustlers was just so it just like, it made the whole show like silly. And I think like, so I'm kind of excited about just, it's two tribes of people or three tribes of people, four tribes of people, who knows? And they're all here fighting against each other. And I don't need, there doesn't need to be like some common theme that unites each of those people. In fact, it's exciting when there's not a common theme. Like that's what's so cool about Survivor is it's people from all walks of life who are so different, who are forced together to, to, you know, to live together. And like, they don't, they don't all need to be blue collar. Yeah, I didn't like the names. I thought the, especially the heroes hustle. I I was like, this is really, this is almost too much. David and Goliath. Okay, I I kind of get that theme and winners. You know, winners at war and blood versus water. Okay, I get those themes. But heroes versus hustlers versus what was the third one? What was the third H? I already forgot. Uh, heroes, healers, hustlers. Healers, hustlers. It's like okay, well, right, why were right. these and the three choices? Yeah, right, exactly, and like. You know, like the the bellhop was a healer or something, or maybe he was a hustler. I mean, it's just like it was all, all so ridiculous. It made none of it ever made sense, you know. Yeah. Um. So. And yeah. and for all we know, this isn't a major spoiler. Um. For next season, it's again uh, all new players, correct? There's no returners next season, from what you that's right. No online. Okay. Yeah. Good. So we're going to get a whole new <laughs> yeah. cast of... Uh, well, Probst has said that they're not going to have... I mean, we'll see how long this lasts. He claims that they're not going to have any returning players from the first 40 seasons. Like, whole new era, you know... Really? Out with the old, totally flushing down the toilet, all of us, uh, you know, <laughs> has been. Um, the... the uh, I mean, I don't... I think that's kind of a mistake because there have been some really fun players over the last couple seasons. You know, you've got... For sure. Um, like Christian Hubicki on the David, on, who is like this nerdy um, rocket scientist, excuse me, like extremely suave rocket scientist, or sorry, a, a robotic scientist. Um, you know, Rick Devins, who is this, you know, just giant character. Uh, Angelina on David versus Goliath, who's also like this huge, uh, great big character. I mean, you know, how could you not bring those guys, those those folks back? Uh, you know, without, with, with uh, you know, because they were, they were so fun. The fandom loves them. You know, it would be so fun to see him play again. But he claims it's a whole new, it's a whole new uh, franchise. You know, and and that they're not going to bring anyone back. So, it, I I think it'll probably be. My guess is that there won't be any any returning players till forty five. And I would think maybe on forty five that they'll. Well, I was, gonna, I was just going to say if if he's if he's really sticking to that, I was going to say, well, you got to do, you got to do at least ten seasons before now you can start bringing back all star. If you only do five, then it's going to be this season, next. You know, you only got. You only got 41, right. 42, 43, and 44 to choose from. It's going to be like, okay, yeah. uh, we won't be uh, – these people aren't being brought back after years of being away. I think that's an appeal. Yeah. If, you're, if you're really going to eliminate 40 and then your next returnee season is 45, that means you only got 41, 42, 43, 44 to choose from. That seems a bit – that doesn't seem intriguing to me. It's almost like if you're going to do that and you're going to say nobody from the previous 40 seasons – I would think you'd got to get to at least season 50 
where it's like, okay, now we've got 10 seasons to choose from people, not four. But yeah, the first all star season they had was season eight. So was yeah, it eight? Okay. Go so yeah. But you know, I honestly, the thing about Jeff is that he makes very sweeping pronouncements and then he does not feel like he has to stick to them. <laughs> okay. um, so he, uh, I mean, they say that now, but we'll, we'll see what happens in a year or two years. You know, he claimed he would never do an all winter season. Uh, obviously that was not the case. Um, you know, he'll keep, he's, there's been a lot of uh, big, big claims that have not um, kind of held up over time. Have you heard the talk about a season of all first day, first, uh, first, first people out, a uh, first people out yeah. season? I've heard that from the people who are first people out. <laughs> you know, they, they like to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, they they want to be they want to be that season to happen. That doesn't seem yeah. that doesn't seem like an intriguing season to me because I just don't think people have a connection to those people because most people who were first people out are people that we that were literally on our TV screens for ninety minutes. So yeah. why would we have a connection to them? I mean, I think they've talked about like having a tribe of early boots or a tribe of first boots. You know, I think at one point they were actually talking about like a, uh, like a tribe of first. But I think that would be kind of fun. I mean, uh, you know, to Not have a whole it be season like one. Of yeah, exactly. Like you have like winners versus first boots versus like merge boots or something. You know, so you would have like. And I actually think for winners at war that might have been one of the things they were thinking about before they did the all winter season. Um, and I think that would be like. I mean, obviously we're not doing theme seasons anymore, but um, the idea of like putting all these first boots together, like work through their trauma. You know, all these like arrogant winners like strutting around as though they own the place i think that could have been really uh, a fun a fun premise but um hmm. i guess it's not to be yeah. well uh, one one final question for you about the premiere if you it, and it might be tough to answer because you're a former player and you covered as much as you do however if you can somehow put yourself in the position of someone who sat down last wednesday night and watched it for the first time would you find it too confusing did you think there was too many huh. confusing twists for That's a first-time watcher uh, yeah. last Wednesday night? I mean, I think the only thing that was really confusing was that part with the ship's wheels and the prisoner's dilemma. And that was confusing no matter how many times you've watched the show. Yeah. You know, like, I podcast about the show and I was like, wait, what's happening? Like, what, what's going on? Um, so I don't think like that, you know, that that was, uh, that was just, yeah, like, that was hard to follow no matter how... Uh, how you know how often you watch so other than that i actually thought it was an okay introduction you know and i think they expect that people will um have seen past episodes before they come to this but you know they, they took the time to explain everything and you know they they had some of the the, the nice first days getting to know the tribe you know really kind of like, like we were talking about they really grounded you in the different characters um so I I thought it was uh I thought I thought so. Do you would you not think that? What's your what's your perspective? It, it, for someone who's watched it as many years, you know, has watched every episode, it's just that's why I said it's probably tough to answer because I I almost have to ask somebody who's never watched the show before that watched last night for the first time. Hey, what'd you think? Like, were you impressed by this game show that's been around for forty seasons that you've missed every episode of? What'd you think of it? That's I almost feel like I have to ask someone like that because again, it's tough to put myself in that position. Watching it, having watched all the previous episodes, I did think there was a lot going on, but yeah, for a fan, I I, I enjoyed it. Like it did, it didn't overwhelm me. Even though, like I said, even even after watching it, it, it took me reading Dalton's column to realize that I didn't even understand some of the stuff that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even understand some of the yeah. twists. 
you know, the yeah. shot in the dark twist I thought was every time there's a tribal council, anybody can do it and you can do it multiple times during the season. So yeah, I was confused on that. Um, but no, I, 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 I was fine with it. And I actually, like I said, I'm, I, I'm someone who really likes the behind the scenes stuff, the how and the why, how the sausage is made on, on certain things versus, yeah. I mean, as much as I like the final product and what I see on my television screen, I'm always interested in knowing the behind the scenes stuff. And I just really enjoyed the extra stuff of the crew, uh, the, the videos of home of the, you know, the Tiffany video from home. Um, yeah. Did not like the fact that we didn't get the nostalgic Jeff intro. Um, so yeah, there was, there were hits and misses, but nothing that's going to make me like, Oh, I'm so frustrated with this show. Like nothing like that. I mean, it was, it was, it was small things here and there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, overall I thought it was such a fun, uh, a fun premiere, you know, it's been two years and it really felt like everybody kind of just came out guns blazing. You know, Jeff was just, he just had so much energy. He clearly was having so much fun. Yeah. Um, it felt like the whole, I don't know. It felt like really, like, it felt like fun. It felt like fun survivor in, in a way that I felt, I, I did not love some of the, I know people loved winners at war. Um, I didn't love like the fire tokens and like the economy part of it. And it just felt like, Every season, every every one of the past seasons, they've just been like putting more kind of stuff into the show in a way to kind of mix it up in a way that felt like it was just getting overstuffed. You know, there was yeah. Edge of Extinction and the Fire Tokens and the Island of the Idols, and it was just getting too convoluted and kind of away from its premise. And the fact that they've sort of done away with a lot of that garbage, I, I'm I'm really excited about. I you know I said that was my last question. I can't believe I haven't brought this up. This is going to be the final thing. This is probably okay. the, one of the most important things about this season is the fact that for the first time since season one, this whole season was filmed out on the island. There's not going to be a live reunion yes. show. There, the votes have already happened. So clearly, the people on this cast already know who won. And maybe there's a spoiler out there. Maybe there isn't. I don't want to know. But yeah. the fact that it is being done and they chose to make that decision because. They didn't know because if this if they were to go with a live finale, it would have been in December. We don't know where we're at as a country in December. Can you get everybody out? Can you do a live audience? So they took the chance of, you know what? We're going to go back to season one style. We are filming the final tribal council, and all the final votes have already been filmed when this season air filmed in April and May. Um, same with next season as well, I believe, as well, that did, they did uh, out there. Your thoughts on that? Um does it make it more or less likely a spoiler would get out for the winner? Um, does it matter? What are your thoughts on the fact that they chose to not take a chance of, because look, as much as great as it was and as great as it was to see Tony Vlachos win a second time and win the $2 million prize, it really felt, I mean, they couldn't help the fact that a pandemic hit this country, but that live finale sucked and with, with everybody <laughs> yeah, on did. zoom and Jeff in his garage, yeah. like it was just yeah. such a deflating, just beat down. Of, yeah. Man, your first two time went, look, they couldn't control the pandemic, but the way it played out, it, it, it was unfortunate. It's not on CBS at all, but it just didn't play out well. And I think they weighed that heavily in, Hey, do we want to crown this winner the way we did Tony? Or why don't we just do it all out there? Uh, what were your thoughts yeah. on that? I think it's a great idea. I mean, to your point, it's so deflating to like come to the end of a season, especially a season you're hoping is really epic, like you said, Winners at War was. And um, then it's like, yeah, like someone's stuttery video over Zoom. It's just such a downer. I really am glad that they're doing it on the on the island. Um, and I, honestly, I don't think it changes that much. You know, when you leave the 
the show, everyone there knows who won. You know, everyone on the jury knows who won. The winner typically knows they won. The whole, you know, the whole crew knows who won. Um, so it's not like this is going to change anything. You know, there's not, nobody's going to be, have more information than they did. I mean, just because it's official doesn't mean like, you know, you, you okay. still know. And, 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 and uh, you, you know, you typically they're not exactly, you know, close hold about it either. I, I avoid spoilers too, because I like to watch it and I like not to know, but if you call any of these guys, you know, call anyone who's on the jury, they'll, they'll tell you, <laughs> you know, they're happy to talk about it. Um, so so did, how, I, how soon after you left, much. how soon after you left token teens, did you know you had lost 10, nothing or was it nine, one? Uh, I mean, I, I, seven, nothing. Uh, or seven, uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I knew before I even went into the final travel council that I was going to lose. I just did. I didn't know it was going to be seven, nothing. I mean, I knew that I lost, um, you know, I really knew that I lost immediately. I knew that going okay. into the final travel that I lost, I knew, um, you know, so so there was no question. That was a blowout, though, and there was no, there was no doubt. I, I think I do think sometimes people, um, you know, delude themselves into thinking they won even when they didn't, or like sometimes there's some mystery for the contestants. But my experience is that overwhelmingly the contestants uh, and especially the jury know. Um, and all, also, awesome. Also, um, just from having been on a jury it's also kind of sort of a consensus decision in a way that I think, I mean, this is getting a little off track, but um, I think that's one of the weaknesses of the show is that the jury does sort of hash it out together. You know, you kind of want each person to be voting their conscience and to some degree that happens on some seasons, but I think a lot of the time um, people make their choice largely based on what other jurors are saying, you know, as much as even, even as much as, as, as they are based on what, um, happened on the show. Yeah, when you're in Ponderosa, it's it's a group it's a group think. It's almost impossible not to be swayed yeah. by somebody you're talking to all the time at Ponderosa when all you have to do is talk game. You know, it's, it's kind of right. hard not exactly. to. Exactly. You're just like endlessly circling this thing and then, you know, if someone can really like poison you on a person or or the opposite, you know, someone can make the case, "Hey, this person might have played an aggressive mean game, but, you know, they're great." Like, isn't an aggressive mean game, you know, good and you know you just like you're so uh you, you can have your thinking swayed either way what was the what was the recent close one we had wendell versus who who was the other guy what was dom, dom. dom well that was interesting right yeah where it came down to uh laurel's vote the laurel. third place finisher and yeah. she and she voted live and she didn't even have her vote out yeah. there she had to vote live so she had to sit on it for x amount of months that was yeah that's probably one of the best endings we've had in a while but i know you got to go steven um again great recap of uh this premiere and this show. I'm so glad it's back in our lives. It really was yeah. cool to, to see it back on TV again. Thanks again for coming on. I know we'll have you on again uh, in the future for well, sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to talk to you about this and to get your perspective on it too. Cause you know, I, I'm really like in my little survivor bubble and you obviously know the show so, so well, and you know, reality TV so well, but it's always really interesting to get your thoughts since you are, you know, you think widely and deeply about reality TV, but you aren't necessarily in this little like enclosed survivor universe that I'm part of. So yeah. thanks for having me and thanks for talking about it with me. No, thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll have you on again in the future. No doubt. I'll talk to you soon. Bye Take bye. care. Bye. Thank you so much to Steven for coming on and talking survivor. Love having him on at the beginning of every season to go over everything. We actually recorded this last week before last night's episode aired. So in case you missed that in the podcast, just know that we did not cover anything that happened last night. It was all about the premiere, which I wanted to get an overview on because there was a lot of new things that are happening on survivor this year that, as you heard, we went over and most of which I like, and I just want to see where it goes and where it heads. But that guy is such an encyclopedia when it comes to this franchise. I just, I just love talking to him about this show. He's got such great insight. He remembers so much. My gosh, the memory retention of that guy 
is ridiculous. And I mean, I, I think I'm pretty good when it comes to bachelor and bachelorette stuff on memory retention, although it's getting worse as I get older, but he just knows everything. And I'm really enjoying so far this season. And even though we're only one episode in, by the time you hear this, we'll be two. But this podcast only covers one. I really, really liked what I saw. The questionable thing was the whole come on in, guys. I just didn't understand where it came from. I have no issue with it. If he wants to take it out, he wants to take it out. It was just the way that it was presented. And it seemed like Jeff wanted to take it out himself. He made that known he wanted to take it out. Yet he asked the cast to make his decision for him. And when nobody said anything, it sounded like he was going to leave it in. And then someone spoke up the next day and he said, I was going to take it out anyway. It was so confusing. I didn't understand it. He could have just not used it if he that badly wanted to take it out. Just don't use it. And then address it in your interview with Dalton the next day. Or even go to Twitter and address it and just say, yeah, we decided to take it out. But just to make it five minutes worth of television time just didn't. It's like it was back back padding for themselves. And I just didn't see the point of it. Not the point of getting rid of it. I understood that part. They wanted to incorporate inclusion. And, and I get that part. It was the way it was brought up and it was put on the cast within minutes of them showing up on probably most of their favorite show. And you're stuck with this. You're going to put this on me. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to decide if we eliminate one of the most iconic lines in the history of this show. It just, it, 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 it didn't work for me the way it was presented. So anyway, and it didn't sound like it worked for Steven either, but you know, it's gone. He's just going to say, come on in. And that's that. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for uh, uh, listening every week. Wow, we're at podcast number 254 on this. So thank you all. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. Advertisers do look at that. So for Stephen Fishback, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you again next week. See you!